Um, my name is Alex Jackson, and if you are tired, I'm asking you to stay awake for the next two minutes. Okay? Because that will be the most important thing that you'll probably hear from me. If after that you decide to stay away for the rest of our lesson, I'll be very grateful. But I want to say and start out by saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know some of you guys are tired. I know some of you guys have probably gone out and shared your faith more than you ever have in your entire life. I know some of you have been challenged and stressed already from like, this is your first day on campus? First full day on campus in a long time. But thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Because it was guys like you that went out and shared on campus that made a guy like me in the summertime like this. And if it wasn't for people being willing to be out of themselves and be countercultural, I don't think I would be standing before you today. Now, I became a Christian at Georgia Tech. Very grateful for that school. Y'all real tired. I'm going to let y'all pass it on. It was people like you who were at a campus training program who re-met somebody like me. The disciples there were faithful. They had already talked to me. I was like, I don't know about y'all. Y'all are crazy. I don't know about y'all. But it was other people that got in there and spiced it up a little bit and shared their love and shared God and shared their lives that made me see, wow, this, this thing is real. So if all you meet is one person that comes out, I can guarantee you that it will make the difference. After that, I went on to become a Christian with other brothers at Georgia Tech studying in my life. And then after becoming a Christian um, here at North River, uh, I went to uh, graduate eventually. That did happen. Um, But during that time, I got to learn a lot from campus training programs like this. And eventually after that, I got to serve as a... uh, one-year challenge candidates went on to be a one-year challenge veteran that stayed around for a few more years. Uh, in that process, though, I got to really build a great relationship with my later-on wife, Jasmine Hope. Now Jackson. So we actually met at another campus function, but our friendship really didn't build until after we decided to be countercultural and devote our time after graduating to really help other people become Christians. Mm -hmm. And that's where we started to work together at Georgia Tech, and then eventually at Georgia State, and then at Savannah College of Art and Design here, then at Emory University. So we've had our fair pick of a lot of different schools. And in that process, we've come to meet a lot of different people who've had wrecked lives because of their relationships. And we've also come to see a lot of people do it right in a lot of different ways and build really beautiful relationships that really, really glorify God. So if there's anything you hear, hear from the years of experience that we've just been able to glean. There's nothing super special about us. You guys can be in such great relationships as well when you allow your relationships to be about God. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to go into it. Let's pray. Come on. Gracious and Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. And as I said earlier, God, I'm so personally grateful for each and every soul that's decided to spend part of their summer learning how to glorify you on their campuses. God, I pray that they can walk away, not just from today, but moments like this, super grateful to see how you work. See how you strengthen their hearts. See how you help them to have fruit in their character. And eventually one day, God, see how they can even develop great, meaningful relationships 
that can span the rest of their lives and beyond. We're so grateful for you, God, and we ask and pray that you really guide this time, guide the Q&A, guide our times in speaking, especially my wife and I. Fill her with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit so that what is given, preached, and taught is specifically from you. Yeah. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, cool. So here's my disclaimer. I don't know you. <laughs> don't take this personal. I don't know your campus. Don't take that personal. And I don't want to bypass or disregard any personal advice given to you specifically by your campus minister. Right. So if you take anything I say and go back to somebody and be like, well, Alex Jackson said I can blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I will disown you to your face. <laughs> okay? We got that clear. God has put specific people in your life to give you specific advice. But we just want to give you some things that I think are great principles that I've seen in all, if not many, of most of godly relationships around us. Amen? Amen. And I think to start that out, we're going to go to Galatians 5. Come on. Come on, Galatians 5. Go Ajax. I don't think we're going to go where you think we're going to go to Galatians 5 yet. <laughs> yes. But we may get there. All right, so this is where I want to start out in verse 13. We're going to read a little bit. You like to read? Yes. You guys like the Bible? Yes. You like putting scriptures into practice? Yes. All right, just, just hang with me a little bit. Stay away. I just came from eight hours of working straight. Y'all just came from campus. We on the same page. You tired? Stay with me. All right. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another in, hum in humility and love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbors as yourself. And if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I ask, so I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with, one, with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. As my wife and I were kind of thinking about, okay, what, what's most important to really convey? That really creates the heart of a counter-cultural dating relationship. Because dating in and of itself is not in the scriptures. Yeah. So you won't find any particular scripture that says, this is how you should date. Right. If anything, there's more of a background for you to actually go get an arranged marriage. And I don't really think that you guys are on that boat. Some of you may be... <laughs> It doesn't sound like y'all necessarily want that. But there are certain principles. There are certain principles here that you can apply, not just to your dating relationship, but also to a lot of other relationships yeah. that need to carry into your dating relationship and that must carry into your marriage. And those are the areas that we want to really kind of drill down on. We're only going to talk on to a couple. Um, but my wife and I were talking, and we came across this this cool idea that we, we thought could really put it in perspective. So um, this is kind of the theme that kind of branches into everything. Jesus was so important 
that his life changed the timeline of our lives permanently. Yeah. There are a lot of us who still think of the whole idea of when, before Jesus was alive, that's called BC. Mm -hmm. And after Jesus died, that's AD. Mm -hmm. His life changed the course of the entire timeline of the entire world. Mm -hmm. So in that same way, when we put our, his principles into practice in our lives, we can change the way the whole world sees dating, God, and the rest of everything that we do. Your countercultural dating should change the timeline of people's lives. And it should last, honestly, until eternity. Because the things you put in practice while you're dating, they don't stop when you stop dating. So we've kind of broken things up into two categories. You got the BC category, which we would call before courting. <laughs> and then you have the AD category, which we will call after dating. Okay? So we're gonna we're gonna branch into this BC category real quick. Okay? And we're gonna touch on a couple topics, and I don't want you guys to get afraid because in this whole BC category, the reason I'm giving you this whole backstory is because we're gonna have a brief QA after we finish talking to for you to hear any of you guys' questions about well, how do I just go about casual, getting to know people? How do I go about this whole idea of encouragement dating? Yeah. Any of those type of questions. We want to hear, and we're going to answer a few of them. Okay. No, we can't answer them all right here. Amen? <laughs> and then we'll do the same thing for after dating. Back into the passage. Okay, so let's go. Do you see a prevailing theme here that Paul is going into? If you don't, I definitely do. And it's the most beneficial thing that can help you at any given moment about how to go about dating. In verse 14, he says, For the entire law is fulfilled in this. Love your neighbors as yourself. All of dating is centered around an idea of encouragement. Mutual encouragement, not self gratification. That in of itself is superbly countercultural. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but I grew up with a certain mindset that I wanted to date a certain person who had a certain form and I'll go on a certain way of life. That is the exact opposite that you should have as a Christian. Maybe actually you were you were one of those manipulative people in the world. Maybe you, you went up all about trying to figure out how you can get the most from other people. And you want to actually repent of that as a Christian. I commend that heart. But even still, as you learn to date, as you go about dating, it should still be for the benefits of those other people in your ministry. Yeah. It should be how to really encourage them and lift them up. And not how to go back into the worldly mindset that you said you left when you made Jesus Lord. I... I struggle so much. Jazz and I, we, we, we help lead part of the singles ministry here at North River. And I, I struggle deeply when I see people who have such deep, godly Christian values go back and try to find their worth in the world. Yeah. They try to find their worth in men and women who look just like the things they see on TV. And then hold on the other side and say, hey, I love God. Those things don't really work. And then when they go and they engage a brother or sister 
in the fellowship and try to engage them. Oh, well, they're they're not really my type, so I don't really I don't really want to encourage them. I don't I don't I don't really want to take any of them on a date. I don't really want to spend time with them. Oh, that brother, he's not really tall enough, so I don't really. Uh-oh. I I'm not going to necessarily go on a date with him. Preacher, brother. Tell me what I've been through. Tell me what I've been through. I was not the tallest brother in the room. Oh, that sister, she's she's not really. Shut up. ourselves. Yeah. Romans 12 2 says that we should renew our minds. Yeah. How are you going about renewing your thinking in terms of dating? Mm. Wow. Wow. I give you one of I give you a story from my life so this is not just all on you. My first date, the brother literally had to drag me out of my dorm room to go on it. He, I mean, literally, like, he had to pull my leg. Like, it was, this is not a metaphor. He literally drug me out of my dorm room because I was so afraid. Now, that's something that I think some certain people that are uh, socially awkward, they feel a lot. Like, I, I just don't know how to engage somebody of the opposite sex. I don't know how to deal with somebody like that. I've always been the outcast. How do I even think about that? I had to renew my mind that it's not my priority to actually encourage my sisters. As a brother, I had to renew my mind to that. This is my priority. This person may not be my wife. This person may not be my girlfriend, but they are my sister. And my sister needs to know that she is worthwhile to spend time with and that she's loved by God and her brothers. That's the heart. That's the true heart of encouragement. Your brothers need to know that you care about them. That after they've had a hard day, you are grateful that they love God more than they love the world. Are we going out of our way to show that? That's all it really honestly boils down to. That first date that I went on is actually one of my favorites outside of my times with my lovely wife. And I'm so grateful that the brother not only drug me out of the room, he paid for it, he paid for the ride, and paid for my meal. And and asked the sister for me. I just, I just want to make it real. That's how hard it was for me. That's how hard it was for me. Because I didn't I was that type that I didn't want to manipulate anybody. I didn't I didn't I saw how I was in the world. I didn't want to go back to that. But if I hide behind that fear, Mm. then I'm actually not doing what that first scripture said we're supposed to do. It's a call to be free. Your freedom in Christ should help people. In your freedom in Christ, what are you doing? Are you loving yourself or are you actually loving other people? Because the whole law is fulfilled and loving your neighbor as yourself. Jazz, you want to share a bit? Come on. Yeah. All right, so when I was still in the world, I just kept a boyfriend, right? Dating, dating, dating. That's where you got your worth from as a woman. That's what we see on TV. If you think about what the media portrays, like the single woman is weird. Like she has a bad personality, she's ugly. 
is something wrong with her if she's single. And even, like, say a movie like 27 Dresses with Catherine and Isla, like, at the end, if there's, like, a 28th dress, we would have gone crazy. Like, we would have wanted our money back. The happy ending is that she gets a man, right? That's always the fairy tale ending. So, becoming a Christian, and what Alex was saying earlier about Romans 12, renewing our minds, for me, when I was converted as a, a freshman in college, Jesus was absolutely Lord. Like, there was no doubt that I was a new creation, and that was really what consumed my thoughts at that point. I remember um, being on campus, I, was, I ran in the circle with the athletes and the popular people. I was on the dance team there at UGA, and I remember uh, one of the football players came up to me one day after I'd become a Christian, he said, I hear right now only Jesus can be your man, and I was like, that's right. <laughs> remember it. So, and it was true. That's how I really felt. But as time went on, um, you know, my friends started dating, started getting married. Even in our campus ministry, people got married really early. So in college, right out of college, on the weekends, that's what we did. We went to people's weddings, you know, for fellowship. So that kind of just made me feel a little nervous. And, um, you know, what am I going to date? And so finally, in my senior year, like very end of my senior year, I started dating. I was like, whew, I'm saved. Like, I will be single forever. And then not even six months later, we broke up. I was like, whoo, and that's when I came here. As Kelly already shared, my friend shared about coming here to do the one-year challenge, which turned seven this month. My seven um, and, and, you know, I was in the ministry as a single person out of college, and at times I would struggle with feeling like, what am I going to do with my life? And eventually, being discontent became the greatest struggle I had as a Christian, where it just consumed me. Some people might really struggle with their purity or being drawn to the social life of the world or dating non-Christians. I was like, ew, I will never date a non-Christian. That's disgusting. These brothers are incredible, and I just want one to date, God. Like, what's so bad about how I'm thinking? Um, but it was all I thought about, and it became, yeah, the word is consuming. I would plan my wedding. I wasn't dating. Spending hours, colors, venues, you know, Literally, and then you feel bad after. I can't believe I just spent four hours doing that online. And the guilt, that's how sin is. It feels good, and then you're guilty. Um, but it was, it was uh, idolatry. Speaking of Galatians 5, this idea of dating, wanting to be married. Every encouragement date was a possible husband. Like, what's his brother's last name? Oh, Jasmine. Thomas, you know, how is that? You know, and it was, it was so much pressure on the date. I have to be funny. I have to be spiritual. I have to be cool. I'm not too cool. You know, it's just like, what do I need to be for this brother to like me? Because every brother I liked didn't seem to really like me, and I was trying so hard to be rescued from this life of singleness. And I longed for someone to choose me even though my first love had already chosen me wow. and he loved me perfectly. Yeah. So in 2011, I really got fed up with myself. I was disgusted, literally, with this sin of just uh, being consumed by the fact that I was single. And so I said I would take a year and be radical and I would pray and fast all year. Even if the man of my dreams fell out of the sky, I wouldn't start dating, I wouldn't study date because I wanted to set out time to really be content with it just being God and I. Amen. And so during that year, just about every day, I would read 1 Corinthians 7.34. I would read Psalm 16. I mean, it was like boot camp and, and retraining my mind. Yeah. 
And as I was studying, there's a, a translation of 1 Corinthians 7.34 from the Weymouth New Testament that says, She who is unmarried concerns herself with the Lord's business, that she may be both holy in body and spirit. And even though I was holy, perhaps, which just means set apart with my body, I wasn't having sex, I wasn't making out, my spirit absolutely was not holy. I was just like any other girl in the world who was thirsty for a man. So I decided, and this is my practical for the sisters, but for anybody, really, stop waiting. Be about your father's business. I remember just... You remember in Acts 2 when the disciples are looking up in the sky like Jesus has ascended and, and the angels are like, what are you doing? Like, come on, let's go. I think some women in this room are wasting some of the most fruitful time in your life yeah. waiting for a man. If you want to be married, amen. If you want to have dreams for that time, amen. But that train may never come or it could take a lot longer than you hoped. There's actually a sister here at North River who was baptized at 20 and she was married for the first time at 58. And that probably won't be everybody's story, but it's very possible. Yeah. And obviously everybody doesn't have to get married. We were promised our salvation, not a wedding ring. That's right. So I think something that helped me is that all of your dreams can't be married dreams. <laughs> I was going to mission team with my husband. I'm going to be in the ministry with my husband. I'm going to serve the poor with my husband. You may never have a husband. So if all of your dreams for the kingdom involve being married, that could be a dead end for you. Yeah. And it, either way, it's just not healthy. So get some single dreams, just you and God. Yeah. During that time when I spent like trying to be radical about my singleness, I made a bucket list for all the things I would do if I were single forever. So I was like, I may be sad sometimes, and it, be, it may be hard, but I'm never going to be bored. I'm always going to have something to do, everything I want to study out. I was going to like learn the guitar and sing praise songs at the Come beach. On. I mean, it's like random stuff on this bucket list. And it was cool. At 22, one of my kingdom dreams was to have a house in the neighborhood of the church. And a sister and I would go around to all the houses for sale, and we would pray and we just would ask God for a place where people could come and fellowship and study the Bible. And it was a huge dream. So God actually gave me that dream. And so I had, we got this house. I mean, some of the girls are staying there this week. You can walk there from this building. And over the years, you know, people would just call up, hey, the church is locked. Can we come to a study there? Yeah. You know where the key is? Hey, can we have this party there? Yeah, let's go. Um, one night after a uh, all-night prayer night we had here, I think we got out at like 3 or 4 in the morning, and all the girls went to my house. And there are people sleeping on every couch, every all my roommates' beds, um, air mattresses, kitchen floor, everything. So by the time I get there, there was nowhere for me to sleep. And I literally had to leave and go to a other family's house because there's no space for me at my own house. But I was like driving away so happy, like, God is using our house. And the best feeling just that dream coming true. I think another dream was um, as a as a single person, I would always say, like, I can't wait to reach out to my family with my husband. And we actually do that now, and that's great. I love having my husband as we really try to share the gospel with our family members. But I decided, well, why would I wait? You know, why, what am I doing now to really reach out to my family? And Kelly really helped me think through this at the time with, with how I could spend more time, and I would go once a week and spend the night with um, my parents who live about 30 minutes from here in Atlanta. And then eventually we started having Bible talk where I would just 
we wake up in the morning and I share what I'm learning in the Bible. And, you know, it's very interesting to have a Bible talk in my parents' house. But I didn't need to wait to be married, to start intentionally reaching out to my family, sharing scripture, sharing what I'm learning. So stop waiting on an imaginary husband. If you can't be content and use your time righteously when you're single, you'll never be able to when you're married, and if you get married. And if you, if any parts of your story sounds like what I share, that discontentment, Really take that seriously, sisters. Go after that now and be about your father's business. So I lied. We're not going to have the Q&A right now. Hopefully y'all will still like me. Um, but we will continue on in this sense. I, I want to put a punctuation mark on this idea that you've probably heard in many different forms so far, but... You need to be spiritual. That's right. Now. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't like try to wait to be spiritual like after you get somebody in your life. Whatever yeah. point it, be spiritual now. So if there are areas of your character that you know are going to need to be attacked, i.e. how you look at the opposite sex, or how you look at people in general, or getting out of yourself, or just having your own spiritual dreams, go after that now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing Jasmine serve at other people's weddings and be like, wow, she's really spiritual. Mm-hmm. I'm really grateful that, that that girl has a friend like Jasmine to take care of all her needs right now. Right. And she did with a smile. And there were a lot of people that were just grumbling, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she might say different, but I, I appreciate that. I specifically remember one wedding that that was one of the turning points for me to, to see something stand out in her heart. Now, if she wasn't trying to be spiritual, I don't know if everyone saw that. It's something to think about, guys. You need to follow God now. In verse 17, it says, so you are not to do whatever you want, but you're led by the spirits, not under the law. We need to think about that, guys. Because right. a lot of us may have that mindset that it's, well, what do I have to do to not sin? Yeah. And I'll let this transition us into after dating. If your culture between you and your girlfriend or you and your boyfriend is whatever I can get away with without sinning, I think you've completely missed the mark. I think you've completely missed the point. If every time that you guys are together, it's like two magnets, like, sucking to each other, I think you've missed the point. Because your relationship shouldn't just be about yourselves. Later on in Galatians 5, it says that the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Come on. Wow. Which I know we've all gone through in one way, shape, or form. But have you thought about that and the like? The things that you could probably get away with when your campus minister's not around, but can make other disciples struggle? Come on, bro. Does that help them want to date? Does that help them look at the opposite sex in a pure way? Why do we seek that? Well, we have that in us. We have to fight that. 
That's why you're not just doing what you want anymore or what the flesh wants or why there's a war. That war needs to be internal. And brothers, you need to make your own stakes about how you will fight it. Before I ever started dating, there was a certain way that I knew I had to go about it because I knew myself. It didn't really even matter what Jazz felt was going to be helpful for her on everything. I really want to take her advice. But there were some areas of my heart that I knew that if I let go unchecked, would be so detrimental. So detrimental. That's so why we set standards for ourselves that, okay, hey, we're not going to just be in the car alone together. That was a hard thing for us. And I definitely had to work and we had to really get a lot of advice about how to go about that. We set a standard that I did not want to be in her house alone when she had her house. That's not something I wanted to do. Set a standard not to kiss. There are just these things that I culturally would probably look really stupid. But when I assessed myself and the obviousness of my sinful nature, I knew where to go. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. 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 In that same regard, Come on, bro. everything was not something not to do. There was so much more that we could do. Yeah. Yeah. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the dreaded in every dating relationship self-control. <laughs> How many of you guys have set a goal for yourself to be the best at self-control in your dating relationship? Like, if there's nothing else, we're going to be self-controlled. Might not be that joyful, but we're going to be self-controlled. We're going to get disciple on everything else, but we're going to be self-controlled. That would be awesome. I, I, I can't tell you how, how encouraging it was to my faith when we would go out and we talk to people and they're like, man, she's really cute. So how can y'all have sex? And we're like, well, I've actually never even kissed him. I don't, I don't know what else I would have said. Their minds were so blown, they didn't even think about anything else. <laughs> But that's the way that God engages people's life. It wasn't like this was the easiest thing for any of us, but it set a tone and a culture that we wanted to be about God's business. In your dating relationships, are you about God's business? Is your relationship about bringing God glory? Because the biggest thing that was super helpful for me to realize is that all the things that brothers had to help me and work on me with and disciple me through before I was dating was the exact same things that I needed while I was dating. I needed to be gentle. I needed not to respond with pride when she brought something up to me. I needed not to just focus on ourselves. And if there was a problem between us, to go get help. See, too many relationships fail because there's just two heads button against each other. Neither of them wise enough to understand that they need help. Don't let that be you. But in that same sense, we have such an opportunity to create a culture that changes the world so much, turns heads so fast, that when people look at you, what they will see is God between you. Now Jazz is going to share a little bit more about it. So it's interesting. The world has done everything it could to take God out of marriage. And then what was left of marriage, they stuck it into dating. So dating is this pseudo worldly form of marriage where people 
have yeah. sex and they live together yeah. and they're together all the time and they're codependent. And maybe we don't do some of those things as disciples, but I think the last one, we really have to be careful of that codependent yeah. and being enmeshed in our relationship. Do you guys remember Hey Arnold? That Christian yeah. during that time. Yeah. So have some have some goals for yourself. Yeah. 
Um, the Song of Songs says over and over, do not awake or do not arouse or awaken love before it's time. So I think some things that Alex so mentioned already, uh, just with alone time, I mean, I think obviously a lot of you guys know it wouldn't be smart to be alone in an apartment and all that kind of stuff. But even like excessive alone time with the person that you're dating, we got a lot of advice from Tom and Kelly about like grabbing coffee before our double dates and things that we did. But it was planned. It wasn't a spontaneous, like, hey, I was in the neighborhood, and, you know, that kind of stuff. It reminds me of King David, right, when he was supposed to be at war, but he stayed back home, and what happened? The whole Bathsheba thing. So there's some, we're really supposed to be some places, and our whole dating relationship can't just be spontaneous. Some of those things need to be planned. Um, another thing, the first time I dated in the church, one big mistake I made was just getting too close to his family and him getting close to my family in our dating relationship. Really get a lot of input about how much you're in each other's homes and for how long. And I know that might seem strange, but really that's another way where we can look married when we're still dating. Right. And if we break up, we have some symptoms that feel more like a divorce because really we've been in like a pseudo marriage. So get a lot of advice about what kind of relationships you have with the person you're dating's family. Um, other tough situations, if you're dating someone who might have a mental illness or chronic physical illness or traumatic background, those can be situations where we get really pulled in emotionally. And you have to be careful. Um, I was talking with a brother the other day, and his girlfriend wasn't any like serious physical thing, but she was just getting checked out for something. And he said, yeah, we have to get a second opinion. I said, we have to get a second opinion. You're not married. Like, she has to get a second opinion. And maybe she'll tell you about it. You know, but you're not married. So just that. Um, and really protect yourself as you're dating and being about your father's business. Thank you, guys. Amen. So the wife has to go about her life. She's going about the father's business, so amen to that. Flip over to Galatians 6 real quick. Come on, bro. Come on, out. We'll do a reading. So, brothers and sisters, some of you who were caught in sin. I just lost my place. That wasn't You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may be tempted as well. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, and then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. But each should try to carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share good things with their instructor. Now, why am I reading this passage in a lesson on dating is because you may not realize it but if you're dating as a christian there are a group of people around you who care about you who are helping to carry your spiritual burdens chances are the people that study the bible with you if they're still in your life or a discipler or mentor mentee people care about you right so if you start doing bad spiritually because you're dating that doesn't just affect you and that other person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It affects a lot of people. And a lot of people forget that. So I wanted to make sure to capitalize on that. When you do bad spiritually, brothers, or you take somebody along with you, sisters, that does bad spiritually, 
you affect a lot of people. That's right. Yeah. Those people have a harder time doing their part of the work that God has given them because they're carrying your mental load. They're carrying parts of your stress, your worry, your strain. Now, we signed up to do that. And I know when that's happened to me, people have signed up to do that. Why? Because we love one another. That is what God has called us to do. But don't purposely walk into that. You know, if you're not doing well spiritually, it honestly just might not be a good time for you to start dating. I don't know if anybody told you that, but I just want to say that. It it might not be a good time to start dating. I'm not saying that you can't ever date. I'm not saying that you can't ever get married. What I'm saying is realize that how you do spiritually affects other people in the kingdom. Just for bad, but then also for good. Because if you are blowing it out and you guys are having a great time and you're very spiritual people and you're going about God's business together, that encourages a lot of people. So brothers, set spiritual goals. Set the tone of that. Do a great job of making expectations of how you want to see God work in your life. And I think personally that was probably the biggest encouragement. Not from Jazz, not from somebody else, but from God. When we set goals together, me and God, for how I wanted the relationship to go, I voiced that to Jazz. He says, yes, I'm on board. We went after it. God made it happen. And when God made it happen, I believe God can do anything. My faith starts to grow. My spirit starts to grow. How much I believe God can do starts to grow. But when I just focus on myself and I think about myself, you don't really get anywhere. In that same regard, I have to read this as a warning, starting in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man or woman reap what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh will from the flesh reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good. So if you have a positive dating relationship out there, if you're, if you're not dating, but you're doing all the great things that you know that you should be doing, you're getting advice about how to go about that, you're encouraging other people, then by all means, do not grow weary of doing good. That year that Jazz said that she wanted to um, not date anybody and was gonna take a year off between her and God, that was the year that I realized I liked her. <laughs> Man, that was hard. <laughs> that was a difficult year. And she announced that in like January. So it was like, ooh, I got this whole, was she really sick of this? I don't know. So part of me was like upset that she was like really going after this, but part of me really loved her spirituality to really go after God. And it solidified that there's something special about her and I wanted to get to know more. So at the end of that, years when we started to build and actually started to court and build that dating relationship. But that year was so good for my heart. If I grew weary and I just grew bitter, I actually don't know where I would be right now. Because she's just helped me spiritually to see God more clearly. Unfortunately, she had to leave, but we're going to give a couple minutes to a couple questions if any of you guys have them out there. Just on this topic of dating, Encouragement dating, going about liking somebody of the opposite sex. In the back of the room. Um, 
I think the question that I have, um, anyway, um, I know like when you're going after it, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like you're going after building a friendship with a sister, um, trying to like date the sister, whatever. Um, and then when that doesn't work out, there's kind of like, obviously like you guys were, had a friendship, but mm -hmm. weren't compatible for a relationship. And then the friendship becomes awkward. How do you go about hmm. maintaining the friendship, like not losing the friendship and moving on without being awkward? Awesome, great question. Yeah. He asked if you like somebody or you date for a while and realize this is not the person that I need to be with, how do you go about life after that? That's a great question. Kind of goes back to one of those first principles we talked about, which is love your neighbor as yourself. I had a great opportunity to learn this because in the moment that I liked Jasmine, my ex-girlfriend was actually in the same staff meeting with me and Jasmine. Ooh. It was like loads of awkwardness. And to know that God is working, and this was some man set up, Jasmine's ex-boyfriend eventually moved to Atlanta and was also in that staff meeting. So we had to see each other and be in the same room like at least four hours once a week. It was like planned time for us to fulfill scriptures. It was great. I'm, I'm, I'm making it funny, but honestly, it was really great. It was really great for our hearts to deal with that. So we were forced to get advice. I know you guys hear that all the time, but I can't tell you how many times I had to walk in and be like, hey Tom, I just, uh, today I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know, I, I have these feelings, that's weird, this is awkward, I don't know how to deal with any of this, can you help me understand? And he would sort me out. Or he'd tell me to go pray, and it would help sort me out. There's value in getting advice from wise people. Yeah, yeah. You need that. I try to sprinkle that in throughout a lot of different ways, but hear it clearly. You need counselors in your life. Brothers, if you are under 25, your brain has not fully matured. I'm not even trying to be funny. It's just a, it's just a scientific fact. It's just, it's just a fact. But that's also a great thing. That means there's nothing that fully should define you. You are still growing. You are still growing. So define how you will go about getting advice in those situations. The biggest thing that helped me was remembering that she was my sister first. And she is still my sister. To this day, we actually have a good friendship because I remembered that she was my sister. But there had to be a considerable period of time where we weren't as close. That's fine. To this day, we're not as close because my wife is close. Feel me? So there has to be time that may be in there, but I still learn how to be a brother to her through advice. <laughs> you know, a lot of brothers over there with some questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go. One, I'm gonna go from the back of the room four. So one, two, three, four. We got sisters in the back house. Oh, there's a girl. I'm sorry. I'm gonna bypass all of you guys. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But what is, like, as Christians, what can we do to keep it 
you know, on that level of like, all right, I want you to be my brother and that's it. And like, so how do we respect and encourage each other on an actual like that semi makes sense. I understand what you're saying. Your question was clear. It's just that the idea of it is actually slightly complicated. Because you can't control someone else's emotions. Right? If I had a dollar for each sister that I think I liked in the fellowship, I probably wouldn't have to work anymore. <laughs> I'm going to be very honest in this class. My heart eventually settled on my wife, and I'm so happy for her, and my eyes are only for her. But, hey, I'm, I'm, hey. So, that being said, I think it's helpful to set up situations that you're not put in an awkward position with somebody that opposite sex, or somebody that you like. You know, just, just don't set yourself up for that. I think it's actually a really good thing for sisters to have events to ask brothers over. Probably not the best for just one sister to have a whole bunch of other brothers over. But if a group of sisters were like, you know what, we love our brothers. We want to do something to show that we really care for them. Amen. Let's throw a brother's encouragement night. Amen. Yes. Amen. 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 But set it up so that a group of you guys are encouraging another group of people. And in that same way, you can have it so a group of you guys go out with another group of the opposite sex and just have a great time yeah. in a short, allotted amount of time. Yeah. So I am being, being given the time signal. It is unfortunate. I know there are many more questions. There are always more than I could ever answer. I'm not leaving right now, so if you want to ask it personally, I'll be in the back of the room.